Hey everybody, Mitch here, just letting you know that if you're heading to Frightfest Glasgow this year, there's a little bonus treat in store. Andy and me are doing a live show on Thursday the 5th of March at 6pm. It's at the Admiral Bar in Waterloo Street in Glasgow. We will have a guest, we will have a film, we'll be letting you know how you get tickets very soon indeed, and most importantly, we will be done in time for you to get up to the GFT to check out Synchronic. So that's Thursday 5th March, join us there if you can. In the meantime, enjoy the show. Just a quick word of warning before we get going that the following podcast will almost certainly contain spoilers and may also contain strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Hello and welcome to episode 91 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast given a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart, Crocodile Hunter. And joining us tonight, she is the creator of Fear House and also you may remember her from episode 5 of this show, it's a warm welcome back to Blair Bathory. Blair, hello. Hi guys, it's good to be back. It's <laughs> good to have you back Blair, Hello. <laughs> Hello, hello. Hey, I just want to start right out the gate. An official congratulations, Andy, for having the ability to create beautiful children. My God. Yeah. Your yeah. son is so stunning. Oh, thank you very much. Who would have known that uh, within these testicles lies the ability to create not only life, but attractive yeah. life? <laughs> yeah, I, I had no idea. So congratulations. <laughs> so Blair, it's been more than 85 weeks since we last heard from you on the show. Um, <laughs> loads of stuff to get through. You went through our Leviathan last time. Going for another kind of monster feature this time with uh, Lake Placid. Yeah, but first, can I tell the people what I really wanted to do or is yes. that not allowed? Yes, okay. of course you can. Yeah. So <laughs> I asked Mitch if I could do showgirls uh but i guess it's not quote unquote genre enough so i'm having to do lake placid um which to be honest i kind of pulled out of my ass but <laughs> it does it That's does need defending it does need defending you know in my opinion but uh yeah showgirls would have been really fun but here we are doing another monster movie <laughs> i uh have to kind of hold my hands up to this blair it was me that shot down showgirls mitch was quite fun. oh i oh i know <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, she was under no illusions about that. Yeah. Blair, I'm going to cut yeah. you a deal. Our listeners tend to be pretty good at chipping in with their opinions on things. They now know that Showgirls was kind of on the table. It was part of the conversation. Yeah. If we get enough feedback about that, then you have to come back. And this time, I promise you, we'll do Showgirls. Oh, my God. So everybody needs to retweet and tell Andy and Mitch that Showgirls has to happen. You heard the lady. Tell Andy how much of an asshole he is for not allowing Showgirls. <laughs> But um, yeah, exactly. Talk a little bit about then um, about Lake Placid. Then, when, like, so when did you first see it, and like, why this now? Apart from the fact that uh, Andy wouldn't let you do Showgirls. <laughs> um, well, you know what's interesting about both of those films is I saw them kind of around the same uh, in my life for the first time, uh, which was a wee twelve-year-old. So right at the cusp of becoming a wonderful che- teenager. I saw Lake Placid on television. Um, I believe I was homesick from school that day. I, I remember very vividly sitting on my dad's old green leather couch trying to get healthy. And this 
movie comes on and you know, I was 12 and also I'm an only child. So I was never really around, you know, rated R movies, Mm -hmm, you know, you know, so I watched this whole thing and it scared the ever living shit out of me. Also, I should mention it was a double bill with a movie called King Cobra, (laughs) which was another one of your uh, suggestions. Yeah. Yeah. Because I remember this day so distinctly um, and seeing both those movies and them kind of scarring me and uh, I'm from Florida born and raised and a really special thing about Florida is we have alligators roaming around basically on the road um, (laughs) South Florida South Florida where my grandmother lives there are literally gators in her backyard living uh, in the lake wow big motherfuckers too I mean like uh, I think when I was about 14 or 15 so not too far off from seeing this movie for the first time Mm -hmm. there was a gator captured in her lake that was like 15 feet or maybe not 15 feet 12 feet maybe it was a big ass (laughs) gator and uh, they killed it and uh, that's another thing gator population they were um endangered so the state of florida basically put a ban because people hunt these things Mm -hmm. and they would kill them because you know gator skin and the teeth and all the shit people use for various things but they put a ban and these fucking gators repopulated so quick they overpopulated and basically took over shit like even disney world there was a kid about 10 years ago that was vacationing in disney world with his parents and gets eaten by a fucking gator at disney world yeah like snatched out of the water lake placid style chop chop motherfucker yeah so now you can hunt him again and and kill them so (laughs) happy days (laughs) yeah (laughs) that was like not not only an explanation but also a history lesson yeah yeah but i mean it's just really interesting because horror movies that have really stuck with me for my entire life have mirrored my actual life in some way okay uh i can see a correlation between almost every horror film that means something to me and lake placid like i said there was literally gators in my grandma's backyard so this was a big fear of mine Mm mm-hmm and actually, when you're a little kid in Florida, they tell you if a gator ever comes out of the water, because they're actually really good runners, you're not supposed to run straight. You're supposed to zigzag because mm-hmm. it throws them off or something and they can't grab you. Right. So being a child in Florida, gators are a legitimate concern. <laughs> <laughs> so when this big ass gator movie you know, comes on television, that shit's real yeah, to uh-huh. a Florida kid. So that's my backstory on that. Okay. Cool. <laughs> um, I know y'all don't have that problem where you're you're at, but <laughs> no, no, no. I don't know. What, I don't know what our equivalent would be. A grouse, sheep. <laughs> a grouse. <laughs> um, Blair, before we get started, I can't even remember if we'd started doing this the last time you were on the show, but um, where I explain the movie in ten seconds or something. Uh, thirty seconds. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thirty second synopsis of uh, Lake Placid. If I can't, you in. Are you ready to make an attempt? Yeah, I can do it in five seconds. I was going to say, you sound confident. I feel like you've got a trick up your sleeve here, but here we go anyway. Yeah. Three, two, one, go. So this is a movie about a big fucking gator. The end. (laughs) Sure, we'll go with that. That leaves uh, leaves five seconds. (laughs) Sorry, that was indeed five seconds. So uh, well done. Yeah, you know what? I think you hit on all the key points. Yeah, and you took plenty of time to uh, catch your breath before you began as well, so you, you bought an extra second there. Um, and you have to make it dramatic, yeah. I was, was going to say, yeah, that was five seconds including a dramatic pause. 
one thing I do have to stress right off the top of this film. We're not dealing with alligators in Florida here. We're dealing with rogue crocodiles in Maine. Maine, yes. I don't know much about Maine. Stephen King? I don't either. I've never been. Lives mm. there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. The cast on this is insane. Yeah. I picked another movie with a great cast. That's yeah, true. Yeah, you've got form for that. Well done. Yeah. Also, a <laughs> uh, decent writing and directing combo here. Now, I always like to know, had y'all seen it before? I have, yes, I saw it in the cinema. In a shocking twist, I oh, have not wow. seen it until right now. What? Okay, that's two for two for you. Yeah, uh, it's it's a two for two. It's about yeah, it's 86 it, it, or something. I was going to say, it's about 83 out of 91. Yeah, like, oh, but... I meant for me. I meant... Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I picked two films that he hasn't seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be honest, Blair, he hadn't seen any of your suggestions. Oh, really? That's actually true, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, they're all great, and I'll defend every single one, but... Mitch, get on that. I, g- genuinely, I cannot tell you how much of my childhood and formative adult years were spent not watching films. You had your face in a book, didn't you? Ooh, fucking wow. Dexter. Yeah, I was, it was <laughs> very much a, a latecomer both to films and specifically to horror. That's hilarious. And this, here you are doing this podcast. I know. I, I, I'm, I'm genuinely the most underqualified person to be doing this. <laughs> but anyway, I... Uh, so to defend this movie to begin with, I would love to talk about the opening scene. Certainly. The opening scene is actually one of the most frightening things I think I've ever seen. And it's actually one of the goriest in my memory, if I'm recalling correctly. It's Yeah, it's it's probably the, unless anybody can think of anything else off the top of their heads, it's probably the goriest moment in the film, I would say. Sure, I, yeah. either that or when the deputy gets his head bitten off later on. Yeah, but to open the movie with this, it's, you know, I had seen Jaws at this point in my life. And I was born and raised at the beach as well. And I was a surfer from the age of eight years old to the time I left Florida. And Jaws never scared me for some reason. But gators and crocodiles just were more fierce to me and Mm -hmm. more like, fuck you, I'll eat a human to me. (laughs) Like, so the opening scene, basically, I'm allowed to explain every little detail. You, 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 You deep dive as much as you want, Blair. Okay, great. So basically, it's two divers, and I I can't remember exactly what they're doing down there. I I think they might be looking for another diver. And basically, one goes missing. And this is within the first 10 minutes of the movie, right? Well, I can shed a little bit of light on what the situation is, Blair. Yeah, why don't you do that? I just remember what happens, but you go ahead. There's a guy from Fish and Game who's come to the area to uh, look at the burgeoning beaver population. (laughs) That is true. Are you serious? Yeah, so he takes a dive down and goes and sticks his head into like a beaver dam and has a look around. In fact, he's uh, jump scared a couple of times, once by a really friendly turtle and then another (laughs) time by a beaver. (laughs) Okay, I don't remember that, but (laughs) I didn't know he was looking for beavers. But uh, (laughs) anyway, so long story short, he gets attacked and the guy on the boat ends up pulling him up out of the water and both of his fucking legs are missing. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> And that, that's it's right. so gross and pretty well done for that time period of when it came out, which I think is early 2000s. 1990, or early, 1999. There you go. I was very close. I was about to say 2000. So. Coming is no surprise to anyone that character does not survive. No, he uh, does. It's, it's so gnarly. That is one of the scariest moments in movie history for me personally. Okay. Probably because I was 12. 
But I mean, yeah. But... It just is so visceral. I don't know why that particular thing is so visceral for me. Because I've seen every fucked up movie that you can possibly imagine. But that, ugh. Crocodile eating your legs off? Jesus. <laughs> Got you somewhere primal. <laughs> yeah. This yeah. is also, um, I think, a gutsy way to open a film that costs $30 million to make. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> $30 million? Wow. Yeah, yeah. I just I just, I just, just kind of very casually and discreetly fact-checked that. <laughs> <laughs> but also introduced here to Brendan Gleeson's character, uh, Sheriff Hank Keogh. Interesting that they've kept him with an Irish accent because... Although he's supposed to be a sheriff from Maine, he doesn't do a particularly good job in hiding his Irish accent, so that's probably the best way they could have gone. Yeah, and if I recall, his character is kind of sexy. <laughs> well, uh, go on. <laughs> Takes all kinds to make a world work. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you, because I really thought we were going to do Showgirls. I did not have time to rewatch this movie. I'm getting that, Blair. I'm getting that. (laughs) So I remember the important parts, which is when the crocodile attacks everybody. Yeah. But all the little details in between, I don't really remember. We'll keep keep you linear. We'll uh, see if we can't. I figured you guys would keep it together. Of course. course. We'll see if we can't shed some light on some of this and see if it jogs your memory a little bit. Jumping from (laughs) this hideous attack, which I actually think I I agree with Blair, it's pretty effective opening scene. Yeah, I think it's really good. I don't think the film lives up to it. Uh, Well, we can go ahead and start talking about the little lady. (laughs) Because she definitely lives up to it. The little old lady in question here is Betty White, uh, Mrs. Bickerman, who does come into the, the film a little bit down the line. But for my money, it's a toss-up between her and Oliver Platt's Crocodile Hunter. Hector Sear. Hector Sear for the best character in the film. Uh, I'm going to go with Betty White because I identified with her character a lot. <laughs> I, I think later in life, that would be me. Can you see yourself aging into a Betty White figure? Into a Betty White figure that feeds crocodiles yeah yeah and has a foul filthy mouth yes i mean that's obviously me (laughs) halfway there (laughs) yeah um before all this though we do meet uh bridget fonda's character kelly scott who is unceremoniously broken up with by her boss slash boyfriend kevin and also finds out pretty much in the same breath that he has been cheating on her with her best friend yeah, yeah, that's quite a, a, a sad day, really, for her. She's not having the best of days. Her boyfriend here, Kevin, played by Adam Arkin, who we have discussed previously on the show because he's also in Halloween H2O. Which that movie sucks. Oh! Oh, there's um, a, there's, um, a Preston DeFrancis would disagree with you. You want to you wanna take that up with him next time you see him at a festival? <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, our kind of like main protagonist here, I would say, I think it's fair to say, Kelly. Yeah. Um, who I think, like, I'm not a particular fan of Bridget Fonda's performance in this film, but, like, it is kind of interesting how her character is treated by everyone else for pretty much this whole film, because she gets a lot of contempt off of pretty much everyone. But she is a bit of a dick. Why do you say that? Yeah, come on, Annie. She, she makes everyone's life a bit of a misery. She's just, she's very moany. She is in, she's intolerant of uh, podunk police, uh, just about as... Uh, intolerant well, as me referring to them as podunks but, uh, well y'all y'all haven't had as much experience with podunk police as i have i can only uh, imagine andy just can't relate i've, I've run a foul of the law <laughs> bad boy like me it's not a competition guys <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah kevin her former well her boss and former boyfriend kind of 
realistically, she kind of thinks that he's kind of jumping on an opportunity to kind of get her out of the way for a little while to cool off. He is. He is. I mean, uh, so he dispatches her to Maine to check out the tooth of the animal that they've pulled out of the victim from the start of this film. Speculating that it might, in fact, be the tooth of a dinosaur. Which would be really something. That'd be amazing. What a film. Yeah. But um, she heads over there and she um, she does figure out that it's not a fossil, which means that, yeah, he wasn't killed by a reanimated woolly mammoth or a vengeful paleontologist. Can I just say, much? we did laugh and, and kind of mock her a little bit when she mentioned she couldn't go to Maine because she's allergic to timber. <laughs> but I did a little Google and uh, apparently wood allergies are quite common. Could you imagine? Like, where could uh... you go? <laughs> Well, you could go anywhere where well, there's no wood. Yeah. Timber's kind of... Uh, you mean, like, any kind of wood? Or, like, a specific type? To be honest, Did, the character doesn't dig into it in any greater detail yeah. than that. I just generally googled timber allergy, and it did tell me that uh, wood allergies are quite common. There you go. Well, that so, sucks. Um... <laughs> <laughs> well, yep, sure does. Yeah. <laughs> um, want to talk about want to talk about uh, Bill Pullman here? Uh, yes. Uh, Jack Wells. I am not a fan of Bill Pullman in this film. Um, really? Uh, not particularly. The old, the old president, huh? That's right. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Does um, his best acting when he's a ghost at the end of Casper. <laughs> 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 yeah, I I like Bill Pullman, but why why don't you? Mitch? I um I I I just find him very difficult to watch in this, and I'm not sure why. I think that there's there's this kind of underlying smugness that I don't feel like is a choice. Um, and like yeah. he was kind of phoning it in for this one. Uh, well, like I, I was I was saying, to Andy, for like pretty much the entire film, the top half of his face doesn't move. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I know that sounds like a weird thing to say, but once you notice something like that, you can't unsee it. It's like he's never had an emotion that he said with the top half of his face. Perhaps he had just gotten Botox. Perhaps. Perhaps. Mm. Yeah. Which ner- was ner- just the hitting the market at that time. It's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Becoming popular. I don't mind. I don't him. know. Uh, I get. He's kind of like this uh, likable Joe Everyman to me. You like him, but you don't like Kelly. And the, I, I would say I'm closer to the other way around. Oh, in terms of the characters, I think all or your kind of four main characters, like Bill Pullman's character, Brendan Gleeson, Bridget Fonda, and Oliver Platt, they're all unlikable. And they're all toxic when they're around each other. And it makes for quite fractious viewing at points. <laughs> No one's nice to there, each other. There is an incredible amount of infighting in uh, in this film. Like, 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 no one gets along right away, with the exception of um, Kelly and uh, Jack, who obviously they, they kind of become the central romance of this oh, thing. No, they 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 have their moments as well. They're, she's not a fan of him. She doesn't want to be out here in the middle of nowhere. She's a city girl. She's from New York. The last thing she wants to be doing is traipsing around looking at teeth in the mud. Right. And she makes her opinions on that quite clear, Mitch. Mm. Blair. Your MVP yes. shows up around this point. It is time for Betty White, Mrs. Bickerman. Yes. Well, no, wait. We missed the the bear, the bear part. No, 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 not yet. Although they do speculate at this point that perhaps the guy that got bitten half in the lake was bitten half by a bear, which uh, is quickly shot down as preposterous. Uh, yeah, but right. uh, the, the bear doesn't show itself until a little later. Okay, okay. But um, hell of a sequence when it does. Yeah, Betty White um, here, Mrs. Bickerman uh, living on the lake. I think that every second that she is in this film is... Uh, I think basically everything that I liked best about this involved her in some way. <laughs> She's I amazing. agree. And the only thing I don't like about her her parts is the horrific CGI crocodile that makes an appearance when she's on screen 
That's fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's 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 aged pretty poorly. Because there's there's quite a bit of practicals in this movie, but then it's completely overshadowed by this insane like balls to the wall CGI that they put in this movie. That's which actually, is probably that's where a, the thirty million dollars went. That's that's, a, that's a, probably not far off the truth. I mean, when we had Jill on and we talked about Anaconda, we kind of leveled a similar criticism against Anaconda, which is a film roughly of the same time period of a similar budget. But yeah, anytime there's any kind of big spectacle set piece, the CGI does kind of show its age a little bit. But the puppet, the puppet's amazing. Like, that's a Stan Winston puppet. I was about to say, Stan Winston. But also, I like try and put myself in, inside the filmmaker's shoes. And I almost am like, did the studios gun for these special effects because it was such a, a new technology and they were just like, let's put our dicks on the table yeah. and like show everybody that we have these computers that can do this shit. And then the directors are just off and they're like, oh my God, that looks like complete dog shit. But then if you put your dick on a table, it can backfire horribly and somebody can smack it with a book. And <laughs> it usually does backfire. <laughs> yeah, and your CGI can fail horribly. And... I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. I I don't have a dick to put on any tables, but I would imagine doesn't end well. I would say normally. yeah. I, I would I would say in most situations you could describe it as a gamble. Yeah, speaking as a man with many bookmarks <laughs> on his dick, <laughs> I can tell you that it, that doesn't always go to plan. Is that how we can tell how old you are? They're like rings on a tree. <laughs> Oh my god! Moving well, on. we've completely veered off from the movie now. Yeah, but... let's, let, yeah, let's let, let's um, let's rein this in and start talking about Betty White again. My favorite yeah. my favorite thing that happens here is that um, Betty White just completely off the cuff throws off a confession to her husband's murder, and uh, nobody reacts. No, because she's pretty carelessly feeding cows to a crocodile. So, ah, but, see, it's like... but see, that's not a known fact at this point. So basically, what she's done has uh, has essentially committed the perfect crime they think okay she's just a lovely old woman couldn't wouldn't hurt a fly couldn't hurt a fly but i i find her endearing because it almost feels like she's made this like friendship with this crocodile Mm -hmm. and to me honestly because she's such a hermit and she she's betty white so she can't be crotchety but uh she's incapable of being an, an asshole i think but she is kind of, she does kind of give like psycho mom vibes. Yeah, I hear that. But I hear she, that. I mean, she gives as good as she gets in this. She's not, uh, she's not one to mince her words. Um, and I think she's absolutely, I, I think Betty White's amazing anyway. I've always loved Betty White. Yeah, go back to Golden she's Girls. She's a national treasure. Um, and yes, agreed. Than that, um, and she's not just an American national treasure. I think most people would say that Betty White was the, the cat's pajamas. No, no, no. You can't take her. She's ours. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. You, you, well, in that case, you guys send back James Corden. No. No problem. <laughs> No problem whatsoever. You were a terrible negotiator. <laughs> yeah, as I say, of all the, all the Scots, that's the one. I was going to say, Blair, Blair, you have lucked out on that one. Yeah. yeah, I was like, yeah, please, take him back. We don't fucking want him. <laughs> um, at this point... Uh, Hank pulls a moose head out of a boat and uh, Kelly goes absolutely crazy um, because she thinks that he basically like, threw it at her. Um, I, I do think that for as much as you said, Andy, that like uh, you find Kelly to be a little bit moany and stuff like that. Um, I find I, them all to be moany. Let's not I, let's move away from my thoughts on Kelly because Kelly's a fish out of water. 
Aha, uh-huh. and I think that I think that okay, he's changed his tune. I think I think that the crew here are predisposed against her in a way that does feel quietly sexist some of the time. Well, it's outwardly sexist when they make jokes about not having enough sanitary towels for her. Yeah, yeah. Wait, I, what I, did you just call them? Sanitary towels. Uh, pads. Yeah, yes, pads. that'd be yeah. the ones. Yeah. Okay, um, okay. Yeah, I th- I've I, never I th- heard anyone call it that before, but ah, go on. Maybe that's a transatlantic thing. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, th- I think that um, I think that she has a bit of a fight in her hands here, and I think that some of that is to do with um, some some sexism kicking around in here. Yeah, for sure. And it actually it, it's it's kind of like Leviathan in a way for me because there's sexism in that film too. As far as like you're in a male environment in seemingly a very masculine profession. I mean, like Kelly's a, a paleontologist, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's not too many female paleontologists. Um, so it's definitely looking back now as an adult, it's very much like I've been there before, you know? Yeah. And I mean, and, and, and I, I think that that's what it's trying to do. There. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. So they're kind of, they're set up, they've set up camp and all this kind of thing. We also get our first look at Oliver Platt here as uh, Hector Sear, uh, eccentric, wisecracking crocodile hunter. <laughs> he has a helicopter that's painted like a crocodile. As you do. What do we think of Oliver Platt here? The only character I don't really like is uh, the not uh, Bill Pullman, but the other guy, the main guy. Oh, the, the police officer the sh- guy? The, yeah, uh, Brendan the Gleeson's character, right. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I don't really like him. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of him either. I like, generally like uh, Brendan Gleeson. But I, I think Brendan Gleeson's an amazing actor. I just don't think he's doing his best work here. Mm-hmm. And I think he's been handed a character that, as with Oliver Platt's character, I'm not convinced was written with him in mind or Hot anywhere day. near the character. Yeah, I, I, I could see that. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I don't hate that for a theory. I didn't I didn't like Oliver Platt initially in this um, and kind of warmed to him. As well. well, it's not that I didn't like Oliver Platt. I didn't like the character mm-hmm. initially. I think that Oliver Platt's doing fine here, but um, I... I did, I think in a warm time I honestly on. find Oliver Platt kind of annoying because he's he has like more gums than he does teeth. <laughs> so <What>? when he t- <laughs> when he talks <laughs> he, when he talks it's really distracting. <laughs> but that's just across the board. That has nothing to do with this film. No, yeah. no, 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 the no, exact, no. The exact opposite of my old nemesis, Gary Busey. <laughs> <laughs> who has more teeth than body. Why is <laughs> Yeah. Why is Gary Busey your nemesis? I don't know. I've made a couple of jokes about Gary Busey in the past. Yeah, yeah. I feel I'm, I'm, in, I'm in too deep now. Kelly, at one point just around here when they're kind of out in boats, Kelly is um, jackknifed out of her boat by an unseen yeah. creature at this point. She takes so many... Is prat- it a canoe? It's a canoe. It's a yeah, canoe. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Is, yeah. Um, she takes so many pratfalls out of vehicles in this film. She is launched through the air with incredible <laughs> regularity. Uh, she is also dragged behind things and... She is bombarded with severed heads at a rate that can only be described as breakneck Agreed. Yeah. So I have to say something as a compliment to you two. You know, I was number five. You were on your podcast, and now I'm number ninety-one. That's right. Yeah, y'all are much funnier now. (laughs) (laughs) So I think it's a testament to how consistent you've been with your podcast and now how comfortable you are with your guests. Thank you very much. It, sho- it shows. It's I showing. think it said being jaded and embittered. Is that what it is? 
and we find just it take that... the compliment <laughs> just, 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 just... <laughs> thank you Blail. that's lovely to hear yeah i'm just I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think i i if i'm not mistaken i think that you were or like it was the fifth episode and you were our third ever guest really yes well the other the, the wow. first two that we had before you were two scottish guys that we did in person you were the first person that we ever did via skype and the gotcha. first woman and the third guest that we ever had hey i'll take it so back to kelly getting launched into the air <laughs> like fairly frequently this is the first time also um also around this time we get a first look at a, they find a human toe here uh belonging to they, we think the guy who died at the start it's the guy who gets bitten half one uh, of his toes yeah. is turned up um I, th- I think that it's really funny how they do this but when everyone gathers around to look at the toe and the cat and it's kind of shot from the toes perspective <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I actually, and, and on that note, I do think the cinematography in this film is fairly decent. Don't have an issue with it. Yep, no problems here either. Not perfectly serviceable. Do you know Steve Miner, right, who directed this? He is an absolute master of directing a cinematographer to shoot lakes and trees. This guy directed two Friday the Thirteenth films. <laughs> Like, so he has a lot of practice shooting fucking trees. Yes, and, uh, he's got priors, serious priors. And various types of water. Like, sometimes right. it's still, sometimes not so still. Oh. <laughs> he also directed... <laughs> he also directed House from 1985. And not House 2. No, no, no. Or House no. the Medical Which Drama. Which is the superior one. <laughs> I agree with you there, Blair. He also directed a film I've talked about before, Mitch. Oh, yeah? Uh, misguided C. Thomas Howell vehicle, Soul Man. Soul Man, okay. Yes, I do vaguely remember you talking about this. What movie is this? Soul Man. Oh, Soul Man. Is that the one with the airplane? What? I... <laughs> or, no, it's called Soul Plane. <laughs> Never mind. So it's a very different film, Blair, I think. Yeah, yeah, it is. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> right I'm, I'm, I'm pulling this linear i'm pulling this linear right now <laughs> so yeah human toe they discover it hector's pretty funny here i think hector's brilliant here this is uh, for my money this is oliver platt's best scene in the film what when he when he makes the joke about when he hands the toe back and all that stuff he hands the toe back and he's like oh uh, is this your deputy or somebody's like is this the man who was eaten i imagined he'd be taller <laughs> That's pretty good. I think that That's is, yeah, good. I think it's, I think that the way that the comedy beats land in this film are, is a little inconsistent. I think that some of them work, some of them don't. Some some of them kind of keep the tone right. Some of them swing a little bit wild. But I think that that's one of the better ones. Agreed. Um, For sure. Uh, there's a bit earlier I just wanted to touch on where uh, Kelly gets weirdly excited by the prospect of being trapped in the woods with some Deliverance-esque <laughs> horny policemen. Yeah, I, she, 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 descri- she describes, um, yeah, like the characters from Deliverance as being horny. It's like, that's, uh, you're, you're, I mean, to be fair, rednecks are usually pretty horny. So. <laughs> but she, she kind of wraps this up in this uh, air of being scared, but like she's quite excited by the prospect. I mean, Andy, that's a whole subreddit right there. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that is a whole section on Pornhub. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Christ. <laughs> actually actually can i send a recommendation to your listeners of course while we're talking about porn (laughs) certainly uh yeah to the listeners yeah yep grabs a pen (laughs) so there is since we're all horror fans and i am also a porn fan there is a porn website that has extremely well-produced and shot pornos that are based on horror movies. It's just called horrorporn.com, and they are so fucking well-made. 
it's incredible. Like you can't even get off to it because you're just like, this is a good movie. <laughs> well, I can tell you, Blair, I'll certainly try. Yeah, yeah, no, please, please do and let me know how it goes. But it's, uh, <laughs> it's... <laughs> I'll just send you a thumb up emoji and you'll know. <laughs> yeah, okay. But yeah, it's a uh, really well-produced horror porn. So check it out, guys. That is, that is, that is, a, that is a sound recommendation. A++. Yeah. 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 I just, just on a completely unrelated note, my mom listens to this show, so thanks. Oh, you're welcome. She's, al- <laughs> she's let also know, a massive porn fan. Let me know if your mom fan. enjoys it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, my God. Um, right, the film, like, there's a party scene. Yeah, Tom Jones. <laughs> One of my numerous uh, karaoke go tos. Yeah, you do. You, you, uh, I have seen, I've seen you sing Help Yourself a couple of times. You have, yeah. Yep, 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 yep. yep. Pretty gifted with that one. Yeah, there is a party scene here, um, which is broken up by a very humorless Brendan Gleeson. And this is kind of the start of, I think, where the film does a little bit of a stretch of heavy lifting and kind of like ramping up the tensions in the group. And kind of trying to sell you a little more on this kind of budding love story between uh, Jack and Kelly. This is a love story I couldn't care less about. My big question. Yeah, I, I was about to say that's the most forced element to this whole movie. Yeah, I think that, that there is, between Bridget Fonda and Bill Pullman, there's like virtually no real chemistry. And I think that it basically means then that the film is just trying to sell you on a chemistry that you just don't believe a second of. Right. Maybe it's that, you know, you know that thing in Speed where they talk about uh, relationships that spring from difficult or stressful situations not working. Which is basically every relationship I've ever been in. But... <laughs> Um. <laughs> um, my big issue with this party scene here is that when we join the party, it's in fairly advanced stages. People are pretty pissed. It's uh, it's pretty raucous. Why did it take so long for Hank to bust up? Why? Where was he? Where was he for this whole thing? Because it does look like he finds it suddenly in his furious. Yeah, he was probably hunting a giant crocodile in a lake. <laughs> you know, in his pants? there's. I, I'm just saying. I'm just saying that there's there's bigger things to worry about than a it, stupid party. Other things on his mind. Yeah. Not just just kind of just kind of after this, after another kind of one of this kind of one of those weird kind of comedy beats in it, because it's right at the end of the scene that uh, Hank Brendan Gleeson falls down a hole, <laughs> which worked a treat for me. <laughs> Hector and Jack go diving shortly after this, and um, there's a disturbance. Kelly takes yet another pratfall out of a boat. <laughs> um, this is this is again. I think that like this is kind of when we get their first. It's kind of their first proper run in with a crocodile. Mitch, this seems like a good point for me to uh, interject. Okay. You may remember uh-huh. a couple of weeks ago we did an episode on Congo. Yes. And I surprised our listeners with some hippo facts. Yes. Dun, 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 dun. Croc facts. Uh, You've got some prepared croc facts. Oh, uh, I wasted my whole first 10 minutes on giving alligator facts, but go ahead. <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, there might be some overlap. You know what? There's room in the world for both of them, you know, but like we can all get along. Okay, yes. Crocodiles occasionally eat fruit. Okay. I mean, I also occasionally eat fruit, but you don't hear me bragging about it. Well, the cro- in fairness, the crocodiles are quite quiet about that. They prefer <laughs> the hard man image that they've kind of cultivated over millennia. Yeah. <laughs> Um, they swim at 25 miles an hour, which Pretty is fast. quite rapid. That's, that's scary. Crocodiles will go through over 4,000 teeth in their lifetime. Wow. Blair doesn't care about and that. half fact. of them. And No, I was just thinking like half of them are in their prey. They lose their teeth when they're eating because they use so much force. Well, the, the point about force there brings me nicely onto my next fact. Uh-huh. At 5,000 pounds of pressure per square inch, they have the strongest bite of any animal. Yet, 
you can hold their jaws closed with your bare hands. There you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or stuff. or some or some masking tape like we do down here in the south. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Heck, we just we just wrap around a shoelace. That was my redneck voice. We whip off our wow. belts that are made out of shoelaces. That, that's 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 fucking plenty. Oh my god, that was horrific. Okay, I'm, I'm drawing a line in okay. the sand here. Stop distracting me from crocodile facts. Uh, they don't sweat. Okay. Um, and large crocodiles can go over a year without any food and are estimated to kill approximately a thousand humans per year. A thousand per year. That's three That's a, day. a lot. That's three a day. That is one every eight hours. All right, Rain Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um jeez um that's a lot yeah that's that, that is a lot that's crazy that uh, and uh, so concludes my croc facts that was very enjoyable thank you very much as well, ever that honestly helped set the scene because crocodiles sound terrifying mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. seeing nothing of or in particular even this crocodile that kills a fucking bear in the next scene <laughs> yeah other than the opening scene this may be my favorite i like this because you're kind of ready for the bear to be the threat right you know and then um and you're kind of like it's like oh fuck it's a bear i didn't see that coming and then literally that literally the next second ah uh, but see they see the bear earlier they see the killer bear they, when they when they're talking about they think it was a bear that bit the guy in Jacob's bear. but yeah I, I i really like that i really like the fake out of this when they brought a bear to an alligator fight if you like i would like to know since you two are experts what makes a good monster movie oh i'm gonna i'm gonna defer to you on this one andy like- andy don't you have a big ass godzilla tattooed on you i do yeah the majority yeah. of my back is yeah godzilla. i'm talking <laughs> monster movies or nature gone wild movies yeah because i think there's a very clear demarcation here okay in that case for this purpose i would say nature gone right wild. okay well you can either go down the ridiculous route and and just have real fun with it but i think if you're going to try to do something um nature gone wild make it big make it scary make it feel like there are stakes because this film doesn't really feel like there's ever any stakes. Really? Yeah, mm. I, I don't ever feel like there's any real peril. I think because you've never seen a alligator or crocodile in real life. This is an interesting Excuse point me, that you've come back I to a have. couple of times. But but like I think and that... not in a zoo, Andy. It, like. <laughs> Right in front of your face, like th- your grandma's backyard. You're, yeah. I think that you're grinding this in a way that I hadn't considered. I think that, like, if I, w- I probably would have found this scarier if it was a threat that I was used to, or a threat that I was aware of, or I was that I'd been exposed to more. Because I haven't. So I have one more question, and then we can keep talking about this movie. So I would like to know both your answers. Okay. What animal would you make a monster movie about? Oh, I already don't mind much, but uh, I'm happy to defer to you first if you want. Mm, okay. My tendency, rather than to do something like boar or something like that, I would kind of pull in the direction of something more ridiculous. Like I, like the horror comedy thing, kind of ticks my boxes for this. Like a kind of like maybe like a zombievers type thing. Right. Okay. Now, I, th- I think that like yeah, I would probably I would probably go for something kind of like small and stupid looking that would be funny and splattery. I would say uh, maybe oh, okay. squirrels. Squirrels. Maybe something like that. Yeah. Squirrels. <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe something like that. You like, know, like, there's actually a genuine threat of that here that they carry rabies and they're pretty aggressive See? because they've gotten so used to people. We can make it, Blair. We can write this thing. Yeah. <laughs> Andy, this might come as no surprise when I talk about my most feared animal on earth, which is the Kandiru fish. A, a woman? Oh. A what? It's the the ca- one that crawls up your penis? The very same. Oh, for God's sake. Honestly, this is like this is basically a Kandiru fish podcast at this point. Otherwise known as the toothpick <laughs> fish or the vampire Ow! fish. Uh, oh, no. It swims up into it your cock, Mitch. Yes, I know it does, Andy. I know it does. Key stream. 
gross. But how would you make that a monster movie, Andy? It's already a monster movie, Blair. It's already the most terrifying thing I can imagine. That monster movie plays <laughs> out in Andy's nightmares every night. <laughs> uh, what about so you? So w- my monster movie would be about dogs. Okay. Oh. But more realistic than Cujo and multiple dogs because they're quote-unquote man's best friend and i've met some pretty serious dogs there's a tail man's best friend there you go yeah i I just think that like there's so much culturally about dogs here in the states i don't know how it is everywhere else but people are just obsessed with their dogs and they love them like children and what if they turn i mean it's like your own kid turning on you Mm -hmm. so but i mean it's arguably far more frightening than that because we have like what is essentially a hundred pound creature with massive teeth and claws yeah it's like if your kid was a very good athlete that also had massive teeth <laughs> which would also which would also make a great horror film and could lick it so yeah <laughs> yeah exactly and um, rub its ass on the floor uh, i mean just overall a frightening frightening animal <laughs> um speaking of frightening animals uh betty white feeds a live cow to an alligator we find out at this point that she has been feeding this alligator as a pastime for six years despite it yeah. hoovering up her husband at some point yeah yeah she's best buds with with it yeah, it sounds, it sounds like it like it started off as an uneasy alliance that kind of blossomed into a friendship. It's very funny, actually, when you see the, the crocodile just kind of sitting patiently waiting in the water to be fed. Uh-huh. That is great. Have you ever watched any videos of Steve Irwin before he died? May he rest in peace. You know, he used to wrestle crocodiles and alligators and shit, mm-hmm. and he used to feed them. And they are kind of like puppies in a way when once you uh they get familiar with you and you're their caregiver they will wait for you to feed them i've, I've seen it before at the alligator farm that's interesting that's a good yeah. fact until the, the, you get too close and they rip your fucking arm off this is a, this is a, this is a very educational episode i'm pleased like, yeah. it's like, it's like, it's like we're, we're talking about candida fish we're talking about alligator facts crocodile facts porn recommendations yeah, what we've done here, Blair, is basically we have circumvented the fact that you haven't watched the film in a long time, and we yeah. have just managed to make the best of a bad situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hector at this point, so we're getting towards the kind of point where they're going to have the standoff with the crocodile. We're pulling towards that now. Uh, Hector also says at this point that they can't kill the crocodile, which is a crucial split with opinion from Jack. And basically what follows is a little bit of kind of a red tape about the ethics of killing the crocodile and some moralizing about that right um, which yeah if this were real life i guarantee there would be some vegans out there protesting to keep this fucking thing alive there'd be activists for sure well i mean hector is uh banging that drum quite hard that perhaps the crocodile shouldn't be killed because it's a wonder of nature despite the fact that it very much seems like fish and game will do anything to kill this animal yeah absolutely it's pretty well isn't there a part where they explain that the fish in this lake are damn near non-existent or something isn't that a part in there oh god maybe uh but certainly they um they go pretty outside the box with uh how they're gonna how they're gonna uh kind of bait the crocodile because they take one of betty white's cows and uh basically dangle it from a helicopter yep they dunk it into the water as you would do a hobnob into your cup of tea (laughs) Um, and to, to be fair, the cow doesn't seem too fussed. It's just kind of. It's just like the cow from Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, 
But in this case, uh, bobbing around in a lake like a kind of fleshy ice cube. Yeah. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Weird um, description, but yeah. Um. So yeah, basically, this is like I feel like this is quite protracted. I think, but basically, the crocodile eventually gets on land. It gets tranquilized a couple of times. Kelly falls out of another vehicle. Sure. Um, a car this time, or the kind of pickup. Do you think that's an allegory for something that she keeps falling out of shit? Oh God, I wonder. She's falling in love. Oh. Oh Christ. Maybe. <laughs> like, like, oh, or she's a woman and she can't stand her own two feet without a man's help. Mm. Uh, yeah. 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 Who can knows? Ask, can I ask Who a quick really? question? I, I, and this might be an American thing, so you might be able to help me better with this, Blair. Um, I, I Maybe. Don't, I don't know if I'm a fool here, right? Possibly. But there's a moment um, where Brendan Gleeson's character says to Betty White, you're going to be under house arrest until the police arrive. Now, what's the sheriff? <laughs> that would be the police. I think that's just a plot point to keep the story moving. Um, I kind of I want to race through the, kind of the final battle here because basically a, a bonus crocodile turns up. Well, just before that, there's some pretty great underwater stuff with the animatronic crocodile um, yeah. that I don't want to let go without without mention there's a pretty one of my another one of my favorite moments is when bridget fonda's kind of trying to escape the crocodile like underwater and she uses a like a tree trunk to hide behind and the the, the big puppet's kind of either like biting on the tree trunk and she's like in its mouth i think that all that stuff really works for me towards the end there it's frightening it's very frightening mm-hmm. when the second crocodile shows up uh hank finally gets to fire his big gun he shoots it and it literally explodes <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, yeah, it's uh, I... his big gun. <laughs> As you can see, you're talking his to an expert. Gun. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, literally blows it up, and everything turns out pretty much okay for the other uh, for the other crocodile who gets tranquilized and taken off to Maine, so they can figure out what to do with it. Well, he gets caught in a helicopter, and then Jack is a bit of a prick because he makes it seem for quite a long time like he's going to kill the crocodile to the point where he whips Bridget Fonda and Oliver Platt into a frenzy. They're practically begging him not to kill this crocodile. At no point does he go, "I'm just going to shoot another tranquilizer for safety." He plays it very very much like he's going to destroy the crocodile. Yeah, he, which I, I think he, it's a total dick move. Yeah, he like punks them. This is the cop that that drunk that does this. Uh, it's no, Bill Pullman. No, Bill Pullman of Fishing Game. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, he probably honestly that's a power move. <laughs> that that's him. He's not a real cop. He's not a real cop. So he he's gonna pretend like he's gonna shoot this this fucking thing, and then psych. That's a power move. That's Old great. Power play. That's great. That's that is that yeah. is a great that is a great answer. That's a great answer. Um, yeah. Finally, at the end of this as well, we are. Uh, Can oh, I just say the uh, cow survives? The cow survives. All's well, ends well. I like the fact that as we're pulling away, the cow just kind of like you get a confirmation that the cow is fine. You see it quite happily trotting along the front of the scene. I do feel a bit bad though. Only that... later to be made into hamburgers. But... Sure. <laughs> I do feel a bit bad though that that big <laughs> crocodile had to watch the smaller one be blown to smithereens. That that must have been traumatic. Yeah. Is it alluded to that this is the baby? I. Are they're just they're just friends. So <laughs> I think they're incredibly mismatched lovers. Like um, what's that? Uh, okay. Hayden Panettiere and Vladimir Klitschko. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, because I, I, I think that's kind of because just, just to kind of to just to kind of get there, the love story that you didn't know you didn't need, uh, Jack and Kelly, <laughs> that's kind of hinted that they're going to get together. They go for a beer, but also in the kind of post-credit stinger thing, yeah, you see Betty White kind of sitting feeding baby alligators. So yeah, my takeaway from that was that the two crocodiles that we see at the end, I keep using crocodile and alligator interchangeably. It's very ignorant of me. Um, but yeah, like my understanding was that they'd kind of mated, and this was 
and she was feeding their children. I would go with that. Well, thank God they had a grandma to take care of. I know. Of the yeah. babies. I know. And, and thank- That's so sweet. That is very sweet. And they look like real little, real little crocodile babies. The little crocodile babies are amazing. Which um, I've held before. Nice. A, a, a crocodile and an alligator baby. They are actually really cute. And there was there was a, a problem in Miami that people were buying these things as pets and then later flushing them down the toilet. That is how the film Alligator came to be. That's how the, our, our giant sewer-dwelling alligator became so massive. It was down there eating trash and dogs and rats. It grew yeah. to epic proportions. Um, well, all's well that ends well, Mitch. At least they never made any more of these films. Oh my God, did they? they so made many. Five. JK, they made a bunch. Yeah. They made five sequels to this. I did notice that um, uh, when I was browsing around earlier on, I did notice that Lake Placid, the final chapter, uh, was on YouTube. Right, okay, if you're curious. So uh, so that's it. Yeah, um, yeah, have you seen any of the sequels, Blair? Uh, no. Me neither. I mean, they must have done something right to continually get funding for five fucking five. crocodile movies. Five. One of, but... one of which is a crossover with the Anaconda universe. Wow, okay. Yeah, Lake Placid versus Anaconda, which I think is a weird title because it makes it sound like Lake Placid is the villain. Who was the poor fuck that got hired to direct that? Jeez. Uh, Blair, this was a fun one. I didn't know going in, I kind of like, this film didn't really make me feel anything at the time, a lot of the time, but, uh, I feel like this has kind of, I don't, like, it's kind of like last week when Sam Ashurst did the Garbage Pail Kids movie, apart from the fact that I really, really hated that film, and this I just kind of watched and it was done and I kind of wasn't really feeling That film gives me a headache. It's incredibly (laughs) gross, isn't it? Um, yeah, I think that, like, I've come out the other side, I Going in, I resolutely was like, I am done with Lake Placid after this evening. I will not go back to it. Now I think I probably will. Because I defended it so well? Because you defended it well. Yeah, you came in prepared, ready to go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but the thing is, is that there's not much to defend here other than it's an entertaining movie. And if you like monster movies, it's a solid monster movie with fairly good effects. Mm. No, when when your uh, listeners inevitably say that they want a Showgirls showdown, I'll be hot and ready. So. Showgirls showdown is a great name for that episode as well. Showgirls, Literally showdown, and figuratively. <laughs> um, Andy, any concluding comments on Lake Placid? Yeah, one or two. Um, I saw Lake Placid in the cinema, and at the time I thought it was the best thing since sliced bread. Sure. Um, I have since realized that it's fairly bland, in my opinion. Uh, oh. It has some real moments of genius. I think it starts off really strong, mm-hmm. and then there's a real sag in the middle. Strong ending. Yeah, and then I think it picks up a little bit at the end, and I'd say that the bit with Hector in the water with the crocodile is probably the tensest moment in the film. I would say it's probably true. Um, and <laughs> it's so tense that we forgot to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, and there's some really good stuff in here. Like, like I say, I think the actual animatronic crocodile looks excellent. I would have liked to have seen a bit more of that. Yeah. Obviously, budgetary reasons would say that you cannot attack a real bear with a puppet crocodile. That's, I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's a film of its time. It feels very of its time. Mm-hmm. It's a well-made film. It's well-written. The cast is good. The, ca- the cast is good. I feel like some people are doing better work than others. Uh, like I said, I, th- I think the best work in the film is coming from Oliver Platt and Betty White. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a film of its time. It's a film I had fun with back then. It's a film I still have fun with, but I've since mellowed on a little bit, and I, do, I just yep. don't think it's um, particularly engaging for a lot of the time. It's just, it falls Ooh. a bit flat for me. 
Mm. Well, I knew I couldn't get you twice. <laughs> That's fair. I do still have my first win. Yeah. Which is Um, Blair, I know you've got one eye on the clock, but it's been two years almost since you've been on the show and a lot has happened in that time. Do you want to catch us up very quickly on what's been going on? Oh, my gosh. I guess I'll start with Wednesday. Uh, not, this is, not that this is going to pertain to y'all, but here in the States, I will be appearing, rather, I'll be starring in a new series on the Lifetime channel, which is one of the longest running network channels here in yeah. the U.S. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's called Bride and Prejudice. And it's essentially about couples trying to find common ground with their families because their yeah. families don't approve of their relationship. Now, now, we did watch the trailer for this. So we do have a, a kind of rough idea of <laughs> what's going down on this show. Yeah, yeah. It's very dramatic. And your old girl is, you know, I got to be myself which was cool but uh my mom was involved my significant other was involved and yeah it was it was pretty intense and anyway that comes out um wednesday and uh i have an interview with uh the new york post tomorrow nice um so yeah it's uh surprisingly uh opened quite a few doors but um you know fear house is still in existence i guess and uh i'll actually be going to la with our old pal melanie light in the next couple of weeks to do some fear house shenanigans so also on top of all that i'm working on doing a documentary style series situation which don't want to give too much info but it's cool. And Jenna Cannell is involved, who is a horror film darling of our time. Okay. And then, yeah, other than that, just trying to be healthy and happy and scary. Anyway, so yeah, that's coming out. And it, it is a departure from what I'm normally used to doing, which yep. is, you know, spooky stuff. But there was quite a bit of spooky stuff kept in there. And like I said, I was able to be myself, which is which is cool because it's such a big network and they really don't feature people like us on there very often. Yeah, okay. So yeah. it's cool it's cool to represent our culture, I guess. Definitely. <laughs> in a Absolutely. way. Yeah. Um so yeah. Uh Blair, lots of cool stuff happening then. Uh where can people keep up with you social media wise, uh, for news when all this stuff kinda comes out? So, of course, go follow Fear House, H-A-U-S. Andy's films are still there. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I will die representing Andy's films. You'll die on the Andy's film. I will. I will. And then uh, Blair Bathory, B-A-T-H-O-R-Y, at everything. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Ew, I hate Twitter, but I'm on there. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, yeah. So I'm on all social media. And uh, it'll, it'll be very interesting. The show's 10 weeks long. And, uh, you know, it's very pertinent social conversations happening in this thing. So I I can't even imagine who and what is going to come out of the woodwork. But, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it looks quite fiery. Yeah, it does, it does seem like it's uh, confronting some pretty big stuff. So, yeah, very cool. Uh, Blair, thanks so much for coming back. It's been really nice to catch up. I miss you guys. And will either of you be at uh, Fright Fest? I don't know if I'll be, but that's the only time I get to see y'all. So. I'll be there. Yeah, uh, maybe. Maybe. We'll see. August's a fair, a fair while away, and I've got some ions in the fire in the meantime. So. Good. Well, maybe you'll tell me about that sometime, Andy. Yeah, we'll you old stranger. stranger. Yeah. 
All right. Well, thanks guys for having me again. It was super fun. Ain't and no I look forward to defending showgirls in the future. Absolutely. You know that's going to happen. You know that people are going to want that. Take it easy, Blair. Bye, Blair. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Great to have Blair back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was great. And it, it has been so long. And I, and I do feel like being a new dad, I have neglected some of my transatlantic friends a little bit. Yeah, great to hear from Blair. Yeah, and uh, check out Bread and Prejudice and keep an eye on Free House as well. Lots of cool stuff going on in Absolutely. the Blair's world at the moment. And some of my films are on there, like she said. So if you haven't yet uh, found your way to my Vimeo, you can find them there. Yeah. Or some of them there. Scope those out. We're done for another one. However... We are never gone for long. We are not gone for long. In fact, um, we'll be back Monday. Yeah, Minnesota 92. We'll be taking a look at what we've been watching. I will hopefully have continued my 90s horror side quest. We'll be playing Mitch's yep. Pitches. Mm-hmm. We'll be taking a look at some of your feedback. And of course, we will be letting you know all you need to know for episode 92. And I've got to say, Mitch, coming pretty quickly off the back of Minnesota 92. Whoa. We've got a live show. 5th of March, baby, Admiral Bar. 6pm at the Admiral Bar on Waterloo Street in Glasgow. We will be doing a live show. We'll have a guest. We'll have a film. We will have the now ubiquitous Arrow Video goodie bag. Absolutely. Yep, yep. And we will, of course, squeeze in another Mitch's Pitches. Yes, we will indeed, yeah. What For what would life be? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but crucially, can we get some of you there, please? That would be lovely. That'd be nice. Don't forget, if you want to get in touch with us, there's loads of ways you can do that. Facebook and Instagram are Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC, and you can also email Strong Language Violent Scenes at gmail.com. Yep. And of course, check out the website, for that's where you'll find all the information pertaining to us, the show, the t shirts, the live shows, everything. We're back Monday with Minnesota 92. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds. Goodbye. Bye. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean. <laughs>